Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. I'm going to start to read from verse 18. And all through this month, I am going to be bringing you what I can call pastoral exhortation. Uh, not that these messages are new per se, but that we need to be reminded of them over and over again so that we may be properly established. Amen? Amen. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about a lot of things. Some you are already familiar with. Others, God will give you more insight in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this morning, Genesis chapter 14, I'm going to read from verse 18. Then Melchizedek, Melchizedek rather, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. Now if you look at that verse 18 again, the beginning of verse 18, Genesis 14 verse 18, it says then, Melchizedek, then. So that word then refers to something that took place prior to then. Okay, so for, for the sake of clearer understanding, let's go to Genesis 14 verse 14. So we can see what then is all about. Genesis 14 verse 14. Now, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as then. Next verse. He divided his forces against them by night. And he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. Next verse. So he brought back all the goods. Say all the goods. And also brought back his brother Lot and his goods. As well as the women and the people. And I'm saying to you this year, you are going to bring back all your goods. Everything that has been stolen from you. Everything that you have lost. Everything that you have forfeited. Everything that rightly belongs to you in the economy of the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus. Because of what he has already accomplished in your favor. Because God has already decided to be a blessing to you. You will recover all without fail. In the name of Jesus. Next verse 17. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh. That is the king's valley. After his return from the defeat of Shedaluma and the kings who were with him. So this was what happened before Melchizedek showed up in the day of Abraham. For which Melchizedek, according to what we are told here from what we read in verses 18 through 20, brought out bread and wine. And we are told that he was the priest of God most high. He blessed Abraham. And in response, we are told that Abraham gave him a tithe of all. And so for this morning, I just want to, to simply share with us the blessing of the tithe. The blessing of the tithe. And don't have a heart attack on me. 
when you hear the word tithe, people just get all bent out of shape. They say, oh man, this guy's about to reach his hand into my pocket. No, I'm not reaching my hand in your pocket, but God will. <laughs> Amen? No, but seriously, on a very serious note, there is a blessing of the tithe. Yes. David, in Psalms 37, verse 25, made a declaration that is so powerful. He said, I was once young. Now I'm old. He said, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor their seed beg for bread. Now, if you just read that and read it quickly, you miss a ton of things that David was really trying to get across. First of all, you must understand who is speaking. If I said it, Banga Kimola, you're once old, now you're once young, now you're old. What are you talking about? What's your history? What's your pedigree? Where have you been? What's your experience? But for David to say it, you need to understand this. For David to say this, this was a boy who as a lad, tender age, keeping sheep in the backside of the desert. They were trying to anoint a king, or a, pro- uh, yeah, a prophet came to anoint a king in his household. They didn't even consider him. No consideration. He was not nominated for that position. Until God had to check the process. Wait a minute, wait a minute. All these guys, they look good, they talk good, but not, none of these guys fit the pedigree. They don't fit the resume. There must be one more person. And they went got him. Anointed from a very tender age. And from that day forward, the anointing of God was upon him. The favor of God was upon him. But that favor did not lead him to the throne. He led him to a time of intense persecution. Running helter-skelter from wilderness to wilderness. From cave to cave. And there were times in those wandering moments when he was definitely hungry, was definitely in need. And so, with that backdrop of experience from childhood, having seen God's demonstration of his love and his supply and, and of his provision, when it was abounding and when it was abasing. Yes. You see, this kind of verse does not make sense if you just abase all the time, or abound all the time. But the person who was speaking this was a person who was known the best of God and the law of man. And he looked and compared the days when everything was just on, all the cylinders were firing. Everything was working on Kidori. Everything was working great. He said God was good. He looked back at the times when he had nothing, when he was in need, when he was hungry, when he was being pursued. And still in those times he said, you know what? God was still good. So it's from that context he tells us, I was once young. In other words, you younger generation, you think you have something now that you are after, let me tell you, you have been there. I was once young, I was just like you, full of energy, full of vigor, full of ideas, full of all kinds of witty invention. I was there, I was young like you. I know what it's like to have ambition, to have uh, career goals, to have all the things you're pursuing. I was there. But not only was I there, but now I'm old. I've been seasoned. I've been tempered. I've seen God move. He's been instant in season and out of season. I can tell you with confidence I was once young. 
now I'm old. But I have never seen the righteous forsaken. Not their seed beg for bread. My friends this morning, let me tell you something. Your faithfulness is not just because of you. You need to understand that. Your faithfulness and obedience to God is a seed that future generations will eat from. There is many harvests that you and I are sowing right now that will, uh, the harvest will outlive you. And your children, for some reason, will come into things that they never sowed for. Why? Because you paid the price in seeding before God and God said, you know what? Because of you, I will bless your children. That is what happened with Abraham. God spoke to Isaac, because of your father, I will do this for you. Amen? Jesus said in John chapter 4, he said, I'll send you to go and reap where you have not sown. So I want us to be encouraged this morning. We are sowing we are giving, we are doing all we know to do, and sometimes you look like, well, you know what, I would like to enjoy the benefit of my time. Yeah, you will enjoy some in your time, but much more of that is waiting for your children, and their children's children in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? So there's a blessing in the tithe. Now, in moving on, you need to understand that God does not need our money. Let's get that very clear. He does not spend money where he is. It does not need U.S. dollars, European euro, pound sterling, Ghanaian CD, Cameroonian CFA, CIFA, and it definitely don't need the naira. <laughs> He's already made a declaration in Haggai chapter two verse eight: All silver and all the gold they are mine. And the Bible tells us that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So if God owns all of this, what will he need yours for? Correct. He said in another passage, he said, if I was hungry, I would not tell you so, because you give me hamburger. <laughs> Amen? Amen? So we need to understand something as we talk about this tithe being a blessing this morning. You need to understand right off the bat that God does not need our money. He doesn't. You must allow, forget what you hear from those TV evangelists. If you watch Christian TV long enough, you'll be broken two hours. It's true. Because every one of them is a prophet. And God has told every one of them that you should give $20 and 17 cents. And in 30 days, you're going to get 100% reward. All of them. Virtually. But what I want you to know this morning is what God gives in a vision, he provides. Amen. When God leads in direction, he gives provision. Amen? Amen? Now, in order to develop this message, let me tell you what tithing is not. Before I tell you what it is. Now remember at the beginning I said to you, Many of you will have had an idea about this message. This is not new to all of you, perhaps to some of you, but even to those of you that it's not new to, I beg your indulgence to listen carefully this morning because there will be some new things you will learn by listening to this message. So for sure, what tithing is not, it is not God's way of raising cash, but it is his way 
of raising kids or children. It is not God's way of raising kids. It's not a fundraising. That's not what God's about. Throughout the Old Testament, when he told them to bring the tithe and told them to bring the cattle and the, and the harvest and all those things, is God going to eat corn? I mean, what, what is he? Is he uh, 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 Colonel Sanders? Is he just corn on the cob? Bring the harvest of your grains? God is going to sit down and start eating corn? Is that what it is about? Is he going to eat your barbecue when he told them to bring cattle? No! He gave them those things to give, not because he needed them. The gifts. Like I just told you, tithing is not to raise cash, but to raise people. Yes. So by asking them to give those things, it was challenging them to grow up. Out of their obedience, they begin to grow. Yes. So tithing or giving to God is not about raising cash. It is about raising kids or raising people. It is not about raising money. It's not God's way of getting money. But it is his way of developing maturity. Did you get that? It's not about raising cash, but raising people. It's not about getting money, but developing maturity. You will never grow beyond your giving. Do re mi la sorti do. Did you hear what I just said? Yes, sir. You will never grow beyond your giving. Never. Because giving demands that you trust God. And if you can't trust him, you cannot grow. It's just that simple. So giving for God is not, an, it's not a way of raising money, but a way of developing maturity. That's why David can say at the end of his life, I was once young, now I'm old. I have never seen a righteous forsaken, nor a seed beg for bread. Why? Because he knew how to give and he understood how God blessed him beyond his wildest imaginations in return. Amen? Amen. Okay, very quickly, very quickly, very quickly. What is tithing? I'll tell you what it's not, but what is it? Hear this. It is the first tenth of a person's increase. Not just ten. Not just ten percent. The first tenth. Big difference. Wow, I like it. It's so quiet here. Hallelujah, Jesus. The first tenth. Not just any ten. I get a hundred dollars. I just don't give God ten dollars. I give him the first ten dollars. Why do you think that is so? Because that which you do first indicates the honor you place on that thing. It's an honor thing. I don't have a hundred dollars and give Mrs. ten dollars, give American Express ten dollars. Give my rent ten dollars, which you can't rent any place for ten dollars unless you're living in Cambodia. <laughs> you can't do all of that, and then you have ten dollars left, and then you give it to God. You've taken care of everybody else, and then you take care of God last. Are you kidding me? 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, seek you who? First. First. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added. So it's not just a matter of giving him a tenth. We can't even commend that. Because it's not a matter of what you do. It's a matter of your heart. God says, I want you to know, how do you honor me? How, in what place am I in your agenda? In your list of priority, where do I fit in? Take care of bank, take care of children, take care of faith. Then God, oh yeah, God, hallelujah, you're in heaven. Here is your part. God said, well, you know what? I'm not number one. I'm not number one. Won't you want God to have you number one when you have a need with God? Oh, yes. oh. It's important we get that. It's the first tenth. You take it off the top. You get paid. You get blessed. You get an increase. Before you do anything else, take that first tenth and set it apart. It's a hard thing. When you do that, even though you are not in the church to give it at that moment, or you did not mail it in, or you did not give it in. But the fact that you set it apart, you made a statement. Yes. Both to heaven and the devil. Yes. The devil understands from that moment that he is not number one on your agenda. The first tenth. That's what a tithe is. Not just any tenth. Do we get that? It's the first tenth. Now, there are several examples of the tithe in the scriptures. I'm going to run through them, but I'm going to deal with just one. Okay? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a tithe. It was that tree which exclusively belonged to God in the garden. We see this principle right there in the garden of Eden. God said to Adam and Eve, I've given you all the trees. All of them. Eat of any tree you want. But you see this one? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That one, don't touch it. Right there in the garden, we see the principle of the tithe. And God said, in the day in which you touch it, or rather you eat it, kapute. Graveyard, you're dead. You're dead. The reason many of us are laboring and we are not seeing the result on the food. We are alive, but we are dead. Because we have touched that which exclusively belongs to God. The tithe. The tithe. Let me give you a couple of more examples and I'm going to address one. The very first spoil from Israel's victory as they were possessing the promised land was a tithe to God. Jericho. Let's go read Jericho. Joshua chapter 6. I'm trying to hurry so much, man. I can't even get these words out right. Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. Verse 17. Joshua chapter 6 verse 17. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are with her in the house. Because she hid the messengers that we sent. Verse 18. 
and you by all means abstain from the accursed things lest you become accursed when you take off the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. In other words, God was saying to Israel, you go into the battle, I'm going to give you victory. With this victory come spoils. Spoils are like plunder. All the goods that belong to the enemy. God said for the, and this was their first battle. God said in this first battle, the battle of Jericho, whatever goods are in it, don't touch it. Leave it alone. You touch it, you become cursed. Did Israel listen? No. I don't have time to show it to you. The sons of Achan, they saw some Babylonian garments. In other words, bring to contemporary terms, they saw Saks Fifth Avenue. Yes. They saw Neiman Marcus. Hey, look at this garment. This blue jeans, Pastor, we like it very much. Let me put it on myself. Because you, you, guys won't, you guys won't touch it at all. But they saw some goods and they thought, wow, this is just, this just be right on me, man. Ah, God won't miss it. Let me just take one. God won't miss it. We have a congregation of 200 people. If I don't pay my tithe in one week, nothing will be missing. Really? Pastor Shino said it to us a minute ago in his exhortation. If God numbers the stars in heaven, and he knows the name of each star. The Bible says he has numbered the hair on our head. You think something will be wrong with this mathematics that it will somehow miss when bank skips a week or a time to pay his tithe? No. He won't miss it at all. Amen? To show you that this was just because it was the first battle that God said not to touch subsequent battles and victories, they took all the plunder. So it was just this first one. God said, leave the first one. I am the one giving you the victory. The victory belongs to me. I am the one that's enabling you to win. Honor me. Give me credit that I am your victory. I am your battle. I am your righteousness. I am your deliverance. I am your salvation. I am your deliverance. Give me that honor. Subsequent battles, you can get it all. And we know that that happened because in 2 Samuel chapter 8, in verse 10 and 11, we are told that David used all the plunders of the enemies around that he defeated to build the temple. So God was not saying, don't ever get any, spoil, any increase from the spoil. He just said, this first one, honor me with it. So we know that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a tithe. We know the first victory at Jericho was a tithe. We know that the firstling of the flocks were a tithe to God. We see this in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 6 and verse 17. We also know that every firstborn and every first fruit was a tithe to God. Exodus chapter 12. No, Exodus chapter 13, verse 2, verse 12. Exodus 34, verse 19. Amen? And the idea here is when you give the first 10 to God, 
the other 90 becomes holy to God. It's blessed. Romans 11, verse 16. The Bible says, if the first fruit be holy, then the lump is also holy. In other words, when you honor God with your first 10%, the, the other 90% God so blesses it and stretches it beyond your wildest imagination. Yes. Oh, hallelujah. You guys don't understand. I'm not David, but I can tell you. Hallelujah. That God has been faithful. Yes. Yes. Amen. Creditors will call you and change your interest rate. Just like that. It's happened to me. It's happened to me. This is, uh, in, fact, I, in fact, I kept the letter. Because it's only happened once. This 2016, it happened. Yeah. I got a letter from American, American Express. They increased my interest rate. In two months, before I can pay the interest rate that they increased, they wrote a letter to reverse it. Without my intervention. I didn't call them. I didn't ask them. None of that. But I'm saying to you, when you position yourself with God and you partner with God, God will make your enemies to be at peace with you. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. So, we know what tithing is not. We know what tithing is. By giving the first tenth, we are making a declaration of honor that God is first and foremost in our life before we honor any other commitment. Now, let me get to the meat of this message very quickly. What are the reasons for which we do this? The blessing of the tithe. What are the reasons? We know what it's not. We know what it is. What are the reasons? And this is where some of you may be amazed. Many of us have a general understanding of what tithing is. But let me just give you three or four reasons why we do it. Number one, liberation. Say liberation. Liberation. Huge. Do you not know that you and I, as human beings, came to this earth as a greedy covetous, self-centered entities? You don't have to be taught. If, if If you are struggling with understanding that, get a child. Every time I get to play with Jojo, my grandson, we're playing, maybe I'm watching one of those things with him, Paw Patrol. They run a commercial of another Paw Patrol or another toy, and immediately, without fail, if I watch four times, I get this four times. Papa, can you buy that for me? I said, how many do you want? I mean, you have a room full of all kinds of toys, and sometimes, I mean, it's amazing. Every show, every day, every day, he wants a new one. You and I are not quite like Jojo because we are older and more matured. But that inclination to greed and covetousness and grabbing and just want to grab, it's mine, it's mine. 
it just gets sophisticated as we grow older. So God said, you cannot pray this away. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. You are not going to pray with being greedy or bring, no, 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 no. You can pray. I'm not saying not to pray. You, you should, but God says, I have a solution. Because the passage we read in Genesis 14 was a passage about Abraham who went to battle against the kings and God gave him supernatural ability to defeat them and overwhelm them. He rescued Lot, took all the goods, and as he was coming back home, was met by the king of Sodom, who is a clear representation of Satan. What was the deal that the king of Sodom wanted to make with him? He said, you know what? Keep all the goods. Just give them the people. Just keep, keep all the goods. You know what? If I can give you the goods, I can allow you to keep the goods, I have something with you. Yes. Remember Jesus? He said, the prince of this world cometh, but he has nothing in me. As long as you have the goods of Sodom in your household, as long as you have the goods of Sodom in your bank account, Sodom has something in you. And he can call for what he has whenever he gets ready because the goods belong to him. So what's this what's happening? Satan, the king of Sodom, is telling me, you, me and you every day, buy this, buy that, get this, get that. It's yours. You work for it. 80 hours, 40 hours a week. It's your entitlement. Just go ahead and do it. Who is talking? King of Sodom. Yes. King of Sodom. The moment you listen to that, and you say, yeah, yeah, you, you're right, you're right. After all, I mean, I worked hard. I mean, I mean, when I did this, I'm mean, the one that, that, that I just, I take ten dollars, I take a thousand dollars, I take hundred, whatever the amount is. Once you, once you qualify yourself that you deserve it, and you take it, Sodom has you. Oh yes, he has you, because you are carrying his goods. So Abraham said, never. I'm liberated from you, Sodom. I will never give you the opportunity to say you made me rich. Because I know that that testimony will only be short-lived. My bank account may be huge now because I think I, I, I kept some extra money. But I know how Sodom operates. Your roof will start leaking. Refrigerator will break down. Car will need to go to the mechanic. Your shoes, all kinds of things will begin to happen. What you thought you had is gone. Liberation. Say liberation. liberation. One of the first reasons for tithing is for liberation. That's the way God eats away at the greed that is in us. At the grabby spirit that's in us. At the covetous spirit that's in us. By giving it away to God, you eliminate the enemy or Sodom taking it from you. Wow. Number one reason. Do you get that? Yes. Liberation. Number two, number two reason for giving, the tithe in particular, is destination. Destination. This is huge, huge. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6. <sighs> no, before we go to Matthew, let's go to Colossians chapter 3 first. Colossians chapter 3. 
Colossians chapter 3. Verse 2. Colossians 3 2. Thank you. Set your mind where, please? Abba. Only four people read that. Okay, the rest of you adjust your glasses and let's read together. <laughs> Set your mind on things where? Ah. What's the contraction? Not on things on the earth. Huge. Let me tell you a personal story. Remember what it says. To set your mind on things above. There's a reason for that. We'll read it in a minute. But let me give you this story. When I first got involved in stock, the stock market, before I ever bought one stock, I'll wake up in the morning, pick up my Bible, pray, and then I'll start my day. And then I found out this thing called stock exchange. And I bought the first stock. I bought the second stock. Do you know what happened? You're you very right. So now when I wake up in the morning, before I can see my Bible, it's automatic. Immediately. The, 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 I didn't even have to think about it. Stock market. Coca-Cola. What, what does he do? Does he do? Delta Airlines. Hey! For days. Days turn to weeks. This is serious. Weeks turn to months. What's happening to me? Where my treasure is. That's where my heart is. Very, very simple. Very, very simple. For me, it was the stock market. For you, it could be your car. I have a friend. I will not dare mention his name. Kunle Akimola knows him. So does Yetundu Akimola. So does Sharon Akimola. We all know him. This guy, when he wakes up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and he's not waking up to say his mass or his prayer, he wants to go and check out his cars. They will start it. They will open the engine. Now, this cast is not driven in days. Yes. So many months. One by one. Check them all out. Look at the tire. Look at the... Hey! What's happening to him? Oh, yeah. She won't know. knows the guy. Where his treasure is, that's where his heart is. For some of us, his clothes. For others of us, it's Facebook. <laughs> I'm coming home to you. I know where you live. <laughs> I know where you live. Hallelujah. I won't look in your direction. Let me just look up. <laughs> look down. There are various things that's captivated our heart. Yes. Uh-huh. We've placed treasures in those things. And because of that, we cannot fully give our heart to the things of God any longer. So the Bible says, set your mind on things above. There is no Facebook in heaven. Praise God. I won't want to be praying to God. God say, I'm still on Facebook. Wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> no, there's no Facebook. There's no stock market. Heaven will not crash. 
The angels are not watching the stock market to see what's going on. Thank God for that. Amen. Amen. And so, the Bible says we should set our mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. Our destination. That's where you're going. One day, you and I will leave, depart this earth. And our destination is a place called heaven. Every time you give, you send your treasure to wait for you in heaven. Oh, hallelujah. My God. Every time you give to God, you are sending something to go before you. So that when you arrive there, there can be a celebration about you because of what you've given. Not in the sense of saying, oh man, Pastor Charles, you gave a million dollars. No, not in that sense. But what your gifts has accomplished. Yes. The souls have been delivered yes. because of your giving. Yes. Those have been born again yes. because of your faithfulness. Yes. There's a destination. Wow. We are all going to heaven if you are born again. Amen. If you are not born again, you should tremble. Yes. But you should make the adjustment. Invite Jesus and accept him. But if you are born again, you are going to heaven. This is not your final destination. Wow. And the Bible makes it clear in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me say this. That all believers will appear at the judgment seat of Christ. Oh, you didn't know that? Okay, let's read it. 2 Corinthians 5.10 You see, you like the grace message. Mercy, hallelujah. Loving kindness, glory to God. God's faithfulness, yes, yes, yes. Are you kidding? You don't understand that God is a prudent investor? Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You can't be late for it. You cannot say, well, I'm too busy, I can't come. Oh, no, no, no. All of us must appear. Now, this is not an appearance to be just for heaven or hell. No. So let me set your heart at peace. This appearance is not for you to, it's not to determine whether you're going to heaven or going to hell. No. You're already in heaven, that's why you're appearing. But look at what it says. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. There is a report card that is awaiting every one of us. The stingy, you have a report card. The generous, you have a report card. The lazy, there's a report card. The one that serves faithfully, there's a report card. There is a report card. Yes. The engendrement of grace is for why we are here. But when we close our eyes and see him, you have to give an account how you invested in stewardship in you. You can't tell me you made a million dollars, God and grace will give you make a million dollars, and you give to the kingdom of God one thousand dollars. Man, I can see the angel. The slap that that person will get. Now I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But if God asks for my opinion, 
Man, you should, be, you should, you should thank God that you won't ask my opinion. <laughs> the punishment. <laughs> There's no punishment in heaven. Now, that's a good thing. There's no punishment. But you must wonder why the Bible says in Revelation that it will wipe away all tears. Some of us will see the potential that we could attain. Say, oh my goodness. Can I have a do-over? No, it's too late. You bust out time crying. Wipe your tears. Don't worry. Don't worry. You won't live in a mansion. We'll just give you a little hut. <laughs> Amen? So the destination should motivate us to be a giver. Let me read what Jesus said about this. Wow, time is flown. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Matthew 6, verse 19. He says, Do not lay up treasures for yourselves on earth where moth and rust destroy. And where thieves break in and steal. I don't need to break all of that down. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys. And where thieves do not break in and steal. Your investment in heaven will not depreciate. It won't depreciate. There's no thief that's going to get up there and steal what God has given through you. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen? Amen. So we give the tithe for liberation. We give the tithe for our destination. And you may be sitting here saying to me, well, pastor, I don't really make a lot. My giving will, re- will really not be that significant. No, that's not the issue. That's not the issue. It's not how much you give. No, 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 no. It's not how much, but it's the fact that you honor God. And in, Ma- in Mark chapter 12, in verse 41, the Bible talks about how Jesus was watching over the treasury. And he acknowledged the woman who gave us two mites. Not only did he acknowledge her, he said about her to the rest of them that you have given out of your abundance. But she's given out of the little that she has and in fact she's given more than the rest of you. And you know what's so funny about this destination we're talking about? When she gets to heaven, even though she gave two mites, she will get a mighty welcome. Yes. A mighty welcome. So it's not about how much you give, but the fact that you're giving proportionately to how God has blessed you. Number three, and I'm moving very fast now, very, very fast. So we give for liberation, we give for destination, and then we give for evaluation. In Luke 16, 11, I will not read it. I'm just going to throw it out there. In Luke 16, verse 11, the Bible says, how we deal with money determines what we'll do in ministry. In other words, Jesus said, if you cannot be trusted with money, how can you be trusted with the true riches of the kingdom? That's the truth. If I cannot be trusted with unrighteous mammon, 
How can I be trusted with the anointing and the true riches of the kingdom? Amen? Amen. D.L. Moody, this great preacher of times past, once said, I can tell more about the spirituality of a man by looking at his checkbook than I can, than I can by looking at their prayer book. In other words, when I see how you give by looking at your checkbook, I can determine how spiritual you are. That's just the truth. Amen? All right. Last but not the least, we give for liberation, we give for destination, we give for evaluation. Last but not the least on the reasons why we give, tithing, because I know some of you are already asking that question, predates the law. Some of you are already saying, it. oh, we are, no, we are no longer under the law. Tithing predates the law. In other words, in Genesis 14, when you first saw tithing, there was no law given. Amen? Not only that, and I need a little time to unpack this for you. When we saw who Abraham gave to, what, who did he give to? Genesis 14. Melchizedek. Is that correct? Yes. His name means righteousness. He was a king of Salem, which means peace. So Melchizedek was righteousness and peace. Combined. And we are told in Genesis 14 that he's a priest of the God Most High. Now, Hebrews chapter 7 gives us further commentary on who Melchizedek is. Without father, without mother, no beginning of days, no end. Hello? Who does that sound like to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Jesus was without father in that sense, in the natural. Without mother in the natural. In that sense, Mary was a vessel through which he came. But we know according to Revelation, it's the Alpha and Omega, which means beginning and the ending. We know in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was God. And we know this word that John describes is Jesus. So it was in the beginning. So Melchizedek is what theologians call the Christophany, which means the appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. This is important. And the Bible tells me, and you Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 6, that Jesus today is our priest according to the order of who? Melchizedek. Connecting all this information together. He is a priest, not after Aaron, not after the Leviticus priesthood, but after the order of Melchizedek. In other words, Jesus is a priest after an unending priesthood. Why is this important? Because Abraham, your father of faith, paid tithes to Jesus. He paid tithe to Jesus in Genesis. And so Jesus comes in Matthew and tells me and you when he was chastising the Pharisees that they were doing all these other things that they should not have left tithing undone. And then Paul in the early church, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, told the believers to always put their giving away during the week so that when they come together, they will have it to give to God. Amen?
Now, I'm going to end this message on a very sober note. You need to know that there are consequences for non-compliance. I'll be negligent of my duty as a pastor to some of you as your father if I don't tell you the truth. Now, in times past, three, four, five years ago, we say if you don't tithe, you're under a curse. That God curses you. Since the revelation of grace, we came back and said, you know, you know what? Because we live in a covenant and era of grace, you're no longer under a curse. Hear me today. An amendment to both sides of the statement. Hear the amendment on the middle of the road. There are consequences for not tithing. God does not curse anybody. No. I want to say that one more time. Under the covenant of grace, God does not curse a person who does not tithe. However, a person that does not tithe is under a curse. Let me let that sink in. And I said this, I prepared you for this. I'm making a restatement from my previous position. God does not curse anybody. Absolutely not. But I can place myself under a curse. So it's not God doing it. I just simply choose not to obey God and therefore by making that choice, I really made a choice. And I can show it to you from scripture. Haggai chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. The Bible says, consider your ways. Yeah. Not God. God does, he does not have to consider anything. He's rolled out the blessing. He's told you what's available. I can choose to receive it. I can choose to reject it. Yes. God does not curse anyone. Absolutely not. And no one can curse those whom God has blessed. But I, of my own volition, can say, you know what? I want to live in the honor of curse. Yeah. It's your choice. Whew, that's, 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 a, that's a sober man. I can't say I'm sorry because it's, it's the truth of the word of God. But, but even what I'm saying, I'm saying it with, with fear and trembling. That is why some people, if you bought them a brand new 2017 automobile today, it will break down tomorrow. You can go to Best Buy and buy the biggest, nicest refrigerator when it gets to their house. <laughs> because the house has been marked by the king of Sodom. Things have been working for everybody else. When they touch it, it's trouble. God is not doing that. I, I want to emphasize that over and over. God does not do that. But a person can willingly place themselves in this condition. And that's why he told Israel, you work hard, you have little. You make money, it's like holes in your pocket. 
And that's what happened to most people. You have a great job. Fantastic job, but you can't balance. Because you've not learned to put God first in your life. So you spend your good, productive time working like a jackass. You walk like an elephant, but eat like an ant. And God forbid, at the end of the day, there's diabetes, there's hypertension, arthritis, and the list just goes on and on and on and on and on. And And so at the end of the day, all the money you think you are working for, Dr. Najah is waiting for you. (laughs) Ah, you're you're here again. Welcome. Thank you very much. We'll teach you today, but come back next week. Yes, there's no end. There is no end. That's why the Bible says, consider your ways. How long, for how long would you live like this? There are consequences. It's important for us to realize that, yes, God, this was grace. But grace is not a liberty and occasion to sin. To live carelessly. To abandon God, to ignore God, and not to follow God. That's cheap grace. And you must understand, this grace cost him everything. Cost him everything. All right, let me let you go happy. <laughs> there are blessings of tithing. Number one, this is the only time in scripture where God says, prove me now. Prove me now, he says. No other portion of the Bible where he says that you should do it. Prove me now. Prove me now. Prove me. Test me, he says. See if I will not do what I said I will do. If you do what I told you to do, prove me now. You're looking for a husband, you're looking for a wife, you're looking to have children. Whatever it is your needs are, we, somehow we do not understand that these things are connected. So I'm faithful in one area of my life, but I'm careless in the other, and I'm praying for this, I'm praying for that. And you're wondering why nothing is happening. But God says, prove me now. And you see what I will do in your situation. Number one blessing, he will reward our faith obedience. He rewards it. I won't go into it, but I'll paraphrase it and give it to you very quickly. In Luke chapter 5, in verses 2 through 7, Jesus needed a podium from which to preach. He needed a podium. The multitudes were there. It's by the seaside. I said, Peter, let me borrow your boat. Understand that the boat is Peter's means of livelihood. Jesus took his boat, stood inside the boat, and from the boat preached to the multitudes. Peter has been catching fish all night. He caught nothing. Zero. Say zero, please. Zero. Say zero again. Zero. Now help me put a dot inside the zero. Say zero and put a dot. <laughs> Not. Nothing. Experienced fisherman caught nothing until he gave away his livelihood. Once he gave it away to Jesus, the Bible says, immediately thereafter, Jesus got lunch. And he caught so much fish, his nets were breaking. Yes. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Some of you are going to step into a new arena Amen. of obedience to God and you will experience the supernatural supply that only God can give. In the name of Jesus, God will prove himself faithful in your situation. In Jesus' name. And you will come back and testify. It was your obedience. 
It was a work of faith. Secondly, he rebukes the devourer for your sex. He rebukes the devourer for your sex. Your fridge will not break again. Your roof will not leak any longer. Your car will not break down. In the name of Jesus, he rebukes the devourer. Thirdly, in Malachi chapter 3, he says he renews your foot. In other words, you become productive. You work smarter, not harder. And you generate more results. Renewer of fruit. God promises that if we put our trust in him, he makes us a fruitful land. You will experience renewal and revival. And so now, can I just ask you, as you bow your heads this morning, perhaps you've been robbing God. Perhaps by now you know that you've been wasting your time your treasure and your talents. The good news as we go home this afternoon, it's not too late. It's never too late with God. Start giving him the tide. Then watch and see what God can do. So I just want to pray for you now. I want to pray for you now. I've gone way over time, but I didn't want to have to do this twice.